everyone and welcome to episode 568 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? I have been getting organised for an upcoming overseas trip that I have, um, yeah, coming up soon. I'm speaking at a conference, so... You know, there are briefing meetings that we've had to have. There's PowerPoint presentations to sort out, um, handouts to to confirm. And also, I mean, the wardrobe, right? The conference goes for five days and there's activities all day and in the evening. Plus, there's some pre and post activities. So there's a lot to figure out when it comes to clothes. I'm also mentoring people every day during mentoring sessions at the conference. So it's going to be busy. But after the conference, I get to hang out with a friend of mine, Alison, who is an entertainment reporter in LA, and she's going to meet up with me, and we're going to have a chance to catch up. I first met her decades ago when we, well, when she was working for the Straits Times newspaper, and she has since worked in Sydney uh, for about a year when we flattered together, so we know each other quite well. I love hearing the perspectives of journalists about what's going on in their country um, and what's going on in their particular, you know, industry. So I know we'll have some pretty good conversations over a few cocktails. She is also a travel writer as well as being an entertainment reporter. So I imagine we'll be going to some interesting places that she plans to write about as well. Speaking of travel writing, if writing about your travels and getting paid for it is something that sounds good to you, I love the fact that so many people who have done our travel writing course are now travel writers and they're earning money while traveling to places they love and experiencing things they've always wanted to do. And in case you're thinking, oh, but I can't travel, you know, I have kids or a cat or cats or a dog, you know, I can't travel. Well, let me assure you, we also teach you how you can be a travel writer without ever getting on a plane. Here's more about it. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you'd like to get paid to see the world, our popular five-week course in travel writing will show you how. From Dubai to Dubbo, learn the steps to bringing destinations to life, as well as how to research and plan your itineraries and exactly what you need to do to approach a travel editor so they will publish your article. All this with a few hours of study each week. You'll enjoy the convenience of online learning and have your very own tutor to provide personal feedback on your writing and answer your questions. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash travel writing course. Before I move on to our writer in residence in this episode, my fun fact for you this week is... Well, I had to research this because it, I came across this word recently, a cross pate, a cross pate. So cross, spelt, you know, like the word cross, the regular word cross, but pate, P-A-T-T-E-E. Now I had to find out what in the world this is. So a cross pate sounds like an angry hamburger, maybe, but it's actually the name of a family of crosses where the arms start narrow in the center of the cross. So where it's near the middle of the cross, uh, it's narrow, and then they get wider as they go further out. So you might also know it as a Maltese cross or St. John's cross, or one that you are probably familiar with is the shape of the middle of the Victoria cross. These are all variations of a cross pate. 
The name comes from the French word pâté, meaning foot. So they're literally crosses with feet. There you go. Cross pâté. Now you know what to call it next time you see a Victoria Cross. Now let's move on to our writer in residence this week. Today I'm talking to Lang Liev. Her latest novel is Others Were Emeralds. Lang was born in a refugee camp when her family were fleeing the Khmer Rouge regime. She spent her formative years in Sydney, in Australia, in the predominantly migrant town of Cabramatta. Among many achievements, she has won the Qantas Spirit of Youth Award, Churchill Fellowship and Goodreads Reader's Choice Awards. She also has over half a million followers on Instagram. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lang. Thanks for having me, Valerie. Congratulations on your novel, Others Were Emeralds. So much to discuss. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about first, uh, for anyone who hasn't got a copy yet, can you tell us what it's about? Um, it's based on a character named I, and she's the daughter of Cambodian refugees. And it just explores her um her her life in in the last her last year of school and and beyond and um a terrible tragedy occurs and um how she comes to grips with it it's it's set in the 90s um to the backdrop of um you know there was quite a lot of anti-asian sentiment at the time um, I'm not sure if you were in Australia at the time or if, if yes, you remember yes. what it was like I mean we had Pauline Hansen you know saying um in her maiden speech saying that we were in danger of being swamped by Asians so there, there was a lot of that going on um that there, there were problems in Cabramatta which the town Whitlam is based on where I grew up um we would there was lots of problems with crime and gangs and drugs so yeah it's, we've got all of that going on and um also it's interspersed with i stories um her her mum um fled the Khmer Rouge um regime which was one of the most brutal regimes in in history um yeah and they, they found safe passage in Australia and um it's just about how their family rebuilds their lives and how I almost lives in this sense of normalcy but at the same time not what made you want to write this story well, I, I started writing it during the height of the pandemic. I, um, you know, I was here in New Zealand and um, I was feeling really nostalgic for um, my hometown of Cabramatta because I used to visit quite often. And I, I think being in lockdown and, and not being able to visit as freely as I had in the past, it really just stirred up a lot of emotions. Um, I was cross, crossing a threshold into my 40s. So I was really just taking stock of everything and, um, yeah, I just, I just had all these, like, memories just came flooding back. So I just started writing them down and it um, it just grew into this narrative. When you first started writing it, you, you know, um, it was a driven, as you've said, by kind of nostalgia and mm-hmm. and a longing for your childhood or, or, or your home. Yeah. Um, did you know what was going to happen? Like, did did the plot, did you conceive the plot and then start writing or did you just start writing and then see where it took you? Uh, that's how I usually write in, in that I just, um, I allow, my, my novels are very character driven in that I allow my characters to drive the plot and the narrative. So I, I kind of just followed that thread and, um, yeah, they just took me to all these places and I superimposed a lot of my memories onto these events that were happening. But, you know, writers can sometimes, um, not writers, sorry, characters can sometimes really surprise you. 
Um, and that's happened to me numerous times. And it just feels like such an organic way um, of, of writing. And yeah, it's just something that's always worked for me. So I'm very lucky. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's so different because I was talking to an author recently who, you know, plots it within an inch of its life, Mm -hmm. Um, a table, a scene by scene, literally scene by scene. Um, So, yeah. And so it is very organic. So tell us about the timeline then for when you first started, Mm. you know, developing this, um, how long did it take before you felt, okay, I'm happy with that? Um. In 20, I think I started around late 2020 in memory and, um, yeah, it took took a, quite a while for me to develop it into what I felt was a first draft and I contacted, um, a, I just wanted an independent look at it and um, I contacted my my friend and amazing editor, um, Alex, Alexandra Nalu. Um, so she was really wonderful and she gave me her feedback. Um, yeah, and I just kept developing it and then um, I finally had the courage to send it to my agent and um, it, it went out there in, into the, the whole publishing um, sphere and um, I had a lot of interest, so that was really exciting. I, had, I remember having this really exciting week where I was on the phone with several editors um, from, from New York agencies. It was, it, yeah, it was very it was super, super exciting. And, yeah, I decided to go with um, Harper Perennial. Let's backtrack a bit um, to you, you You come to Australia as a child. You're living in Cabramatta, you know, presumably going to school there. Um, yes. When did you think, I really enjoy writing or even I really enjoy poetry? I've always loved writing. I mean, it's, it's something that's always been with me for as long as I can remember and I I think it's been the only real constant in my life um, through everything in that I will always go back to writing. And I think if if I had a choice between writing or speaking, I, I would definitely choose to write. Um, I could never speak again if, if it meant that I could only write. I just feel like I'm able to articulate my thoughts through writing in a way that I really can't do so verbally. Uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but was there a, a was there some kind of inspiration or or a trigger or or, or something that made you um, you know discover the 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 joy of writing when you were young? I suppose it's like it's discovering the love of reading and the love of books, and um, it, it was just a natural thing that that developed from that. Um, you know, reading stories, reading poetry, and wanting to create my own. So you then carved out this incredibly, you know, global career as an author, I mean, as a, as a poet, what drew, what draws you to poetry and what's it, what's the feeling like, the difference in the feeling of writing poetry versus writing prose or, you know, a whole novel? Um, when I was um, writing poetry, I've, I've always also written a lot of prose and um, short stories and what have you. I think it, with the advent of social media, it was just a lot easier, you know, to share poetry um, or to share quotes or snippets. And it, I was very surprised when um, it all took off. And um, of course, I just, I was very, very fortunate. And um, I, I've been able to to have a wonderful career, as you said, um, and I've been able to travel and um, yeah, it, it's been absolutely wonderful. Um, but there is a marked difference between writing poetry and, and writing fiction in that I, I think writing fiction is obviously it's, um, it's a lot more disciplined. 
um, you have to turn up every day and and especially if you have a contract and um, you know there is a deadline there then yeah it, it's it's very much um, you know it, it's it's something that you have to stick with and um, I, I write I start lots of novels that I that I never finish so I think it's the luck of the draw when you start something you just don't know I mean you could get 20,000 words in 30,000 words in and just think no this isn't this isn't going to work um, for me I think if I'm working on something and it could be any creative pursuit if it's something that intrigues me or keeps me interested then um, I, I think that's that's what I gravitate toward I'd love to dig a bit deeper into your process of writing poetry because it is so different. You get a bit more instant gratification in the sense that you can complete a poem a lot quicker than you can complete yeah, a absolutely. novel. <laughs> so how does des- describe to us what that looks like when you are writing poetry? Do you actually sit down and think, I'm going to write a poem or, or start working on a poem? Or are you constantly taking note of phrases and 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 thoughts and motifs all the time and writing them in something as you go about your day i think it just um it, i mean inspiration strikes the same way whether it is writing a poem or writing fiction it just comes out of nowhere and um it comes from this really mystical place um that you, i'm not really aware of where it comes from i just know that um, it, it does, and it's a really wonderful, magical thing. And, um, yeah, it, it's absolutely the same energy, I think, um, the same but, bolt of inspiration that comes from poetry as it does with fiction. But it does, yes, it comes out of nowhere, but then you have to capture it. So practically yeah. speaking, how are yeah. you capturing it? Are you talking into a phone? Are you? Do you, oh, have, no, a, no. Do you have a journal, a special journal that you carry around yeah. all the time? Like practically speaking, how do you capture it? Well, um, I just write on whatever's available, I guess. It's always been that way. There's always paper um, or, you know, a pen somewhere around that I can grab and quickly scroll down. So that's usually um, the the way. And with, um, you know, when I started using um, smartphones um, with the notes app that's a good way to quickly get an idea down as well um, but most of the time I really like the organic um, feel of of paper and pen but um, yeah generally I'm home so I, I just hop onto my laptop if I feel that there's something that I, I really want to explore. So with the advent of smartphones not only is the notes app there's also Instagram you have over yeah. half a million followers on Instagram. When you mm-hmm. first got on Instagram, what was the, if you can cast your mind back, what was the original intention? I don't know. Um, I didn't really have any intention, to to be honest. I mean, Instagram was a new thing. Um, I, I was on Tumblr and, and um that was where I kind of I, I got my start. Um, and I, Tumblr's a very insular social media where Instagram is is quite almost like the opposite, where it's very visual and what have you. But um, yeah, just it was just another social social media platform, I guess, like Facebook or Twitter. There wasn't really um, I don't really differentiate between um, mm. the different social medias. They're just. Um, they have different quirks and different personalities. Um, yeah, but when did you start noticing people were responding to your poetry on social media on whatever platform? Um, I started posting on Tumblr. Uh, this was back in 2011, 2012. 
And um, a literary blog came along and uh, reposted some of my pieces and it just went viral. Like it, it was just like an overnight thing pretty much. Um, and it was just like a snowball that kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, I was, I, I released a, um, my first book, Love and Misadventure, and it caught the attention of literary agents in New York. Um, and, and I was approached and then I signed with Writer's House and then um, I got a publishing deal pretty much. It all happened very, very quickly. Uh, yeah, and um, this was all before, um, you know, it really took off. But um, it, it was just such an exciting, exciting time in my life, that period. And was it a shock? <laughs> um, I think- when, people, when it went viral? Yeah, absolutely. It, it was uh, I was completely unexpected, but I think you know I'd been um, I'd been a creative for for many many years, and I was at the point of wanting to give up. Um, I I think yeah, after you've you sort of tried for that amount of time, I, I was um, thinking now's the time to maybe pursue like a a, a different um, career path, but. I, I think fate just intervened and what happened happened. And in in a way, it it was a shock, but at the same time, it, it also felt quite organic and natural. When you were writing a book of poetry, um, how are you making, because you have to curate it, you have to decide not to include certain poems mm-hmm. um, and you have to choose the ones that you want to go in there. Yeah. How do you make your decisions on what ends up in there or do you do that in conjunction with an editor um with poetry yeah like I I think I'm just um it's just pretty intuitive so some pieces that um I feel um you know I I don't want to include then I won't um others I feel need a, a bit more work I mean it's it's completely the same process when in fiction when um you know when I was writing on others were emeralds and there are whole chapters that I took out and and um and what have you and parts and and things I, I mean it's it's just curating the work and um you can you can never get it to the perfect state uh, and I find that with, with writing, um, and I always say that time is the best editor. So if I had the luxury of just having all the time in the world to to just write, and um, I, I think that's that's what every writer dreams of. That's the dream scenario that you can just, um, you know, spend spend a lifetime just writing one book. It sounds to me that you really rely on your intuition in the creative process and mm-hmm. that you do rely on it coming from that mystical place, which it does. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever Have you ever been in a situation then where you'd like, it's not coming, where is it, how do I get it back? <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, it happens to every writer. Uh, and what I, do you I, do then? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, do something else, I guess. I I mean, it hasn't happened to me a lot. I'm very lucky in that I usually have the opposite problem where I've got so many ideas that um, I, you know, I, it's it's choosing what to go with. Um, and I've always been that way creatively in that I've always wanted to do so many different things. Um, I've got so many interests and sometimes I have to put something aside, um, you know, to work on something else. But obviously, you know, it, it I just know that if I'm putting something aside, um, if I go back to it, it, it might not have the same, um, you know, momentum. So it's um, it's always a, um, a a loss that I that I have to accept. What are some of your other interests, creative interests, that you want to pursue currently? 
Um, at the moment, apart from apart from novels <laughs> and poetry, obviously. Uh, well, I really love architecture, so um, I, I build these tiny little intricate models from Japan, um, and I absolutely love doing that. So I've been doing that for the last um, year or so, and really enjoying it. And I'd love to be able to create my own um, paper craft models. Um, that's something I'd love to do sometime in the future when when I've got the time. I love that. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> in that case, um, I suspect I know the answer to this because you, your creative process and potentially your day seems very fluid. But do you have a structure to your day? Like when you're writing, like say you're writing a novel, do you kind of go, I'm going to write from this time that during these hours or mm-hmm. I'm going to try and achieve a certain word count or whatever? Is there some kind, any structure to your day or your creative process? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like um, mornings for me are very good to write. So um, I'd I'd get up in the morning, have a coffee, and I'd have probably a couple of hours or so where I can write. And they're just my favourite writing periods where I can just focus um, completely. So, yeah, that, that's what I do every day. And sometimes I can write a thousand words. Sometimes I could just, um, you know, perfect one sentence. But it's just the luck of the draw. Um, it, but it's sitting down, turning up and, and doing the writing. And it's something that I genuinely love to do. So I never feel like I have to force myself. Um, I just I just really enjoy it. Yes, yes. So you do that in the morning. What do you do in the afternoons? In the afternoons, um, I'll cook or do some housework. Um, you know, I've got two cats and a dog. I'll hang out with uh, my partner, Michael. Um, yeah, just um, maybe go for a walk. Or and so you never feel compelled to go. Oh, I should write in the afternoon as well. Um, if I feel like it, um, absolutely. If I if I feel like writing or if the mood strikes me, um, yeah, definitely. But I feel that in the morning I've got the concentration. I've just um, slept and. I feel rested and, yeah, anyway, they're the best mornings. Yes. Let's come back to Others Were Emeralds. You were mentioning that because it's set, as you say, in the 90s when there was a lot of anti-immigration, anti-Asian immigration sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were delving, because you were saying like a lot of your memories were coming back of that yeah. period, when you mm-hmm. were delving into that, um, was it, I mean, I imagine it was quite confronting. What made you want to stay in that space? I think it was just something that I've always wanted to write about because um, it, it was such a um, seminal period in Australia's history and I was thrown to the thick of it. Um, I was among the generation of um, we were the first real wave of Asian immigrants and and that was that was an experience I think that is very unique unique to that generation in particular. Um, and Australia was a very, I guess, a hostile place at the time. And things did get better, um, I, I guess, leading into the 2000s and what have you. I mean, they're not perfect, but um, I haven't been in Australia for a while. But you know, I, I just um, I hear stories from my friends. But yeah, I, I, it's not so much as that I wanted to stay in that space, but I felt I just felt compelled to to write about that time in my life. Have had you? Uh, was it always going to come out as a work of fiction or had you thought of writing it, you know, as a, a memoir? Mm. 
Well, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought at first it might be just the stream of consciousness. It, it might just be, um, you know, an exercise in memory. I, I figured it was going to be something slightly experimental, but it, it just kept growing and developing and it turned into this narrative. I think um, what happened was the characters came and took over and, and they drove that narrative. And were the characters inspired by people in your own lives? Your own life. <laughs> I think um, writers, we we um, absolutely, we, we base our, our writing on past experiences, but no one is ever exactly who, they're more like an amalgamation of different people that we've known in our lives and also, you know, parts of ourselves as well. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what it is in, in that these characters are just very much a part of me um, and, and parts of other, other people that I've known. One of the things about um immigrant well especially asian immigrants and especially asian immigrants who m- migrated at- during that period is uh, obviously uh, particularly in the case of refugees uh, the hope of a better life and mm-hmm. often the hope that their children are going to become doctors or lawyers yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and concert pianists mm, um yeah what was writing is very different to that yeah. some mm-hmm. people don't think so they think it's the same kind of vocation but it's simply not in these sorts of families so no. what were what was your family's reaction to you know I'm going to write poetry <laughs> um I I think because I'm the youngest um so we always have it a little bit easier Mm. Um, so all that pressure was really on my brothers, poor things, and they did. They both did go into the medical medical field, but then of ended up changing, they did. changing and doing something else. So I think when they got to me, they were pretty much like, "Okay, you can do whatever you want." And um, I, I know I wanted to do something creative, so that was just what I pursued. And um, you know, in, in terms of creativity, it's something that's always been very, very strong, um, and it's it's been a, a force that I can't help but um you know go go toward you're very lucky you're that youngest <laughs> I know <laughs> I know <laughs> absolutely what was the most challenging thing about writing this story um I guess it, there was a lot of um sadness with you know writing parts of my mum's story just thinking about what what she went through and also you know being older now as well and um, being able to um, ha- have more empathy for her as, as a woman, um, not just, you know, uh, this person that's um, meant to, and she was such a wonderful mother in that she she really nurtured us and everything. And and I think I just took that for granted for, for such a long time. And, um, yeah, it's just a sense of of growing and um, knowing her in, in, in a different way. And, and I think some of that went in, into the book as well and definitely probably going to a lot of my, my future writing. So, yeah, there was, there was an element of that. How old were you when you came to Australia? Um, I was um, about 11 months old. Right. So you would have no real memory of no. the Khmer Rouge no. or, no. you know, the I was atro- born in atrocities. a refu- refugee camp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we were. We were in Australia when I was about 11 months. Mm. What was the most rewarding thing about writing the book? Um, I, I think it just felt as though I'd, I'd found, um, you know, I, I think with all writers we, we're always trying to find our voice or to find that sense of authenticity. And I think I definitely found it with this book and I think it was because 
there was the pandemic. There was the time where I could decompress. Um, you know, I'd spent a decade just traveling and um, living my life at such a manic pace. Um, and I was able to just sit and just take stock of everything. And I was I was able to write in my own time uh, without the pressure. I, I It was a book that I wrote in secret. Um, and yeah just it was just lovely just to have that time just to explore explore this story and now that the book is out what are you working on now Um, I'm working on my next novel um, which is still untitled which was recently sold um, to Harper Perennial so I'm really excited about that have you completed it oh no I haven't completed it Um, (laughs) yeah but I'm well into it now and um, it's set in the 2000s the late 2000s, um, you know, with, with social media starting to come in and the internet and to the backdrop of all of that. So, in Australia or? In Australia, yeah. Oh, wow. That's I can't wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs> When's that going to be out? Oh, we don't know yet. Probably sometime in 2025. All right. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't, I'd like to just finish with um, and come back to this very intuitive approach that you have to the creative process what then would your top three tips be for writers or aspiring writers who would really love to tap into Mm. that mystical process um for me I don't really know where it comes from like I said it's been with me since since I was a child but I think uh it's something that will happen to you naturally regardless um but I think what does really help is if you have experiences in your life so I, I suppose just never be afraid of um, experiencing life. Um, they, everything that you go through in your life will, will come in handy, especially if you have aspirations to be a, a writer. Um, every every conversation that you hear, everything, just, you know, even dreams that you have, everything almost goes to this this um, huge storage unit um, in, in your brain. And um, it, it's something that will you will call upon in the future with your writing. So I suppose... Um, just be aware of, of what's happening, take it in. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's just that's, so, I, I suppose that's the best thing to do, um, read your favourite authors. Mm-hmm. And, so ha- have, have experiences, like get out there and have a life, read your favourite authors mm-hmm. and yeah. one yeah. last one. sorry um read yeah read um and uh, just write I mean even if you don't feel like writing you know you just never know what what will come out of it yeah just go for it love it all right thank you so much for your time today Lang really appreciate it um and congratulations on your thank you so much thank you This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing.